This is Father Reed Hensling at All Saints Episcopal Church, and welcome to the Word of God. We are in the daily lectionary of the Book of Common Prayer. The Book of Common Prayer was first written in 1549 and has gone through several revisions in England and four revisions in the United States. And at the back of the Book of Common Prayer is what we call the Daily Lectionary. And we've been looking at the Daily Lectionary for many weeks now, and we're calling it the Word of God. This particular week, we're looking at the book of Micah to finish off on Sunday and Monday, the book of Micah in the Old Testament. Then we'll look at Jonah. And there is an apocryphal book that is listed. It's called E-C-C-L-U-S, period. And that's an apocryphal book that we're going to pass on. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at primarily the uh, other two New Testament books uh, in the next several weeks because that particular uh, apocryphal book is going to be with us for about three and a half weeks. So those books are the book of Acts. Now the book of Acts, we're going to finish the book of Acts this, uh, this week, and we will continue our study of Luke by looking at Luke chapter 8, 26 through Luke chapter 9, verse 50. Okay, so let's dive in. Let's start with Micah chapter 6, 1 through 8. And I want to read the 8th verse to you. It's one of the most famous verses in the Bible. Isn't that interesting? In a minor prophet such as Micah, we find one of the key verses of the Bible. And I'm sure you've heard it before. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord, Lord require of you? So the Lord requires three things. To do justice to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your, with your God. Now, wouldn't that be a wonderful way to live your life? To be just and fair to each person, to be kind and show mercy to people, and thirdly, to walk with God in a humble way. Not in a proud way, but in a humble way. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. That is the very famous Micah chapter 6, verse 8, verse. And then we go to chapter 7, which is the last chapter of Micah, seven chapters in the book of Micah. Woe is me, verse 1, I have become as when the summer fruit has been gathered, as when the grapes have been gleaned. There is no cluster to eat, no first ripe fig that my soul desires. The godly have perished from the earth. There is no one upright among mankind. They all wait in blood and each hunts the other with a net. So rather gruesome picture of that. But in verse 7, which is the final verse on Monday's reading, As for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my my salvation. My God will hear me. I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. And so... Again, we finish uh, the book of Micah, and we have the story of wrath, the story of judgment, the story of restoration, the story of salvation, the story of hope, the story of gloom. All that's contained in these books. Now, all of you probably know the book of Jonah very, very, very well. The book of Jonah is an extraordinary passage that you could write a very long book on, and many have. And, of course, on Wednesday, it's the first chapter and the second chapter, and on Thursday, it's the third chapter and the fourth chapter. 
And on Friday and Saturday, we talk about the apocryphal book, which we will pass on. And the reason we're passing on it is I do not believe the apocrypha is the word of God. So I want to focus on the word of God since this is the title of the podcast and not on something that's not the word of God. Now, does that mean I don't want you to read it? Yes, please read the apocryphal books. And there is a different points of view as to what is apocryphal and what's not, uh, depending on the denomination of the church. Uh, the number of apocryphal books is about 12 or 13, and a listing of them, according to the Roman Catholics, Eastern Orthodox, uh, Anglicans, um, varies, but not too much. In Jonah, we have the quintessential prophet who does not want to deliver the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord comes to him and tells him in verse 2 of chapter 1, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. So God tells the prophet what to do, and then God expects the prophet to go and do it. Well, this particular person does not want to do it. So he runs away from God, and he ends up in a boat. And the boat incurs extraordinary natural disaster. There's a tremendous storm at sea, and these seafarers are afraid to drown because the storm is so bad. A great wind comes upon the sea, and there's a great, a mighty tempest, tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. So that's a serious problem. So the people figure out that Jonah might be the one that's brought that, that problem, and they throw him into the sea. And you know what happens left. Next is a great fish swallows Jonah. And the Lord appointed a great fish, verse 17, to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And then Jonah prays in chapter 2 and prays to the Lord and calls out to the Lord and asks for help as any of us would normally do. And then he does what God says, finally, and goes to Nineveh. And it's a very large city, and he goes and he preaches a message of repentance, and guess what happens? The people believe God. They believe the word that Jonah shared with them. The people of Nineveh believe God. They called for a fast. They put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. And the king of Nineveh repented also. And God relented of showing the people of Nineveh evil. Now, in chapter 4, we have the very famous chapter where Jonah is not excited, is not happy that God has relented, that God is not going to destroy them. He was exceedingly angry. He prays to the Lord. And then he goes out of the city. He sits to the east of the city. He made a booth for himself. He sits under the shade. And then God appoints a plant and made it come over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So God is constantly working with him. And Jonah is wondering why in the world God would save that city. 
He's upset and he's angry. And the Lord said, you pity the plant. And the poor plant had died. And he's sad for the plant that God had raised up to protect him. He said, you pity the plant from which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? He said, you're all upset about a plant that withered and died, and you're not, you didn't have any pity for the people at Nineveh that did not know the Lord. And look at what happened. They repented. So there's much to think about in this fantastically short book and much to consider. So enjoy Jonah and enjoy the end of Micah. Now let's look at the end of Acts. Now Acts has 28 chapters. We are in Acts 26, 27, and 28. 26, verse 1, 26, 27, and 28. So Paul, in the end, finally defends before Agrippa. This is his third testimony about the road to Damascus. Chapters 9, 22, and 26. And so he tells of his conversion. And he says, this is what Jesus says in verse 14. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Is it hard for you to kick against the goads? Who are you, Lord? Paul said. He said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Rise and stand upon your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles, to whom I am sending you to open their eyes, so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. I'm using you to open their eyes, to turn from darkness to light. It's a beautiful statement. From the power of Satan to the power of God. And that's what God does for us. Lost in Adam, we need supernatural help. We need the gospel to change our way of thinking, which changes our attitude and our actions. And now, instead of working for the kingdom of men or the city of man, we're working for the kingdom of God, the city of God. And so he shares with them his beautiful testimony that God gave him. And he sails for Rome. He sails for Rome. So at the end of, in chapter 27, the king rose and the governor and Bernice and those who were sitting with him. And when they had withdrawn, they said to one another, this man is doing nothing deserving death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar, but he appealed to Caesar. So 27 and 28 is about him going to Rome. And so in chapter 27, we are dealing with his journey to Rome, his journey to Rome. So there's a lot of beautiful geographic information and seafaring information. They have a shipwreck. It's very difficult. 
They land on Malta, um, and he um, he has a snake bite from a poisonous snake, and he lives, and the people think that he's a god. When they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune coming to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. This is Paul. And so the Lord saved Paul in his journey to Rome. The Lord provided a way. The Lord preserved him. Now, he went through great trial and tribulation, but the Lord was faithful and that he wanted him to go to Rome. And eventually he got there. There's lots and lots of uh, history here and lots and lots of geography. Okay? So Paul goes to Rome. He eventually ends up there. And here's what the final verses say. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So he was in Rome for a good length of time. He was there at his own expense. He welcomed people that came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God. He wasn't really in a bad shape, in a, in a bad physical shape in terms of being in prison. And we believe that he wrote some letters there while he was in Rome. And so you want to read 26, 27, and 28 very carefully, very slowly. And it's a beautiful exposition of the journey of Paul that he'd been on since he went to Jerusalem. Uh, remember, he went to Jerusalem and they advised him not to, but the Holy Spirit, he felt leading him there. And, of course, God wanted him in Rome, and this is the route that he took to get there. So enjoy those chapters. Now, we are in the Gospel of Luke, and we are in the eighth chapter, as I said earlier. And again, Jesus is doing ministry. He has, he's in full force with his ministry. He is proceeding forward with his message of the kingdom of God. In 826, he heals a man with a demon. So there's a beautiful story about Jesus healing a person who had a legion of demons. So the power of Jesus is very, very strong. He even opposes the devil. Then he heals a woman and Jairus' daughter. Now Jairus' daughter was dead. So here's an instance where Jesus raises someone from the dead. He says, do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. Now a person that is dead cannot do anything, but Jesus has the power to raise someone from the dead. Jesus is not only the creator of the universe and our creator. He's our judge. He is the one that's coming back again on a white horse to judge the living and the dead. But he also can raise the dead besides being our savior of our sins. And so as you're reading the gospels, you just want to let those words penetrate your soul and your mind. You want to continue in your relationship with Christ to love him, to honor him, and to believe in him. And to believe what the Bible says about him. As we move into chapter 9, Jesus sends out the 12 apostles. And he feeds the 5,000. Of course, that's a beautiful amazing miracle 
And remember, that's 5,000 men. That didn't include the women and children. And they have five loaves and two fish. And the fish are small and the loaves are small, characteristically. They sat down. He looks up to heaven. He says a blessing. He broke it. And they had 12 baskets of broken pieces. How does that happen? Well, a person that can cast out demons, can raise the dead, can feed 15,000 plus people with five loaves and two fish. The man has extraordinary power. Now, we are to submit to that power. We are to love him. We are to obey him. We are to honor him. We are to listen to him. Jesus confesses, Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ later on in the middle of chapter 9. Jesus tells them about his death. Remember, he forecasts three times that he's going to die. And of course, follow that, we have taking up your cross and following Jesus. If anyone would come after me, verse 23 of chapter 9, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Then we have the transfiguration where Jesus is glorified. So we see what's going to happen at the end where Jesus is going to be glorified and be triumphant. He is going to rise from the dead and he is going to overcome death and hell and sin and he will be glorified. And this is a great picture of that to give them assurance that Jesus is going to come back and be glorified by the Father. Jesus heals a boy with an evil spirit, again foretells his death in this long ninth chapter, and again shows his miracle-working power. He also teaches them along with that. So he teaches, he instructs, he trains his disciples. He does great miracles so they can see that are evidence of his teaching, and in this miracle-working power, he's able to do things that nobody in history has ever been able to do. Then finally, the cost of following Jesus. I love this. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. A person wanted to follow him. He said, Lord, let me go and bury my father. You go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And so, not everybody is with Jesus. Not everybody is on his side. Not everybody understands. So when you put your hand to the plow, don't look back. Follow the Lord. Follow Jesus. And as you're reading the Gospels, you want to get a picture of what does this man look like? How are they, how are they the writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, presenting Jesus? What's my response to him? As Paul ended his work in Acts chapter 26, 27, and 28, now he did live longer. We think he died about 64, 65, 66 AD under the reign of Nero. And of course, he writes his letters to us. Thank the Lord we have them, 13 of them, which we are greatly blessed by. And again, the prophet Jonah, 
and we seem to be more like Jonah. I'm afraid. I don't want to say anything. I don't want to do anything. I don't have the courage of Paul. I don't have the courage of Jesus. But God is sovereign, and God's in charge, and he appoints a whale, and the whale spits him out, as you know. He stays in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, which is a foreshadowing of Jesus' death and resurrection. And Nineveh is saved. So the work of God goes forth. Ask the Lord to give you the desire to do his will as you read these great scriptures together. Lord Jesus, bless all who listen to this podcast about the word of God. Bless their study. Bless their reading. May the Holy Spirit speak to each one of them, empowering them to do the will of God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. God bless you all, and we'll see you next time.